Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Burroughs. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I'm a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreasen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, blogtalkradio.com.
of a dying star. That's hot. From the snow-capped mountaintops of Middle Earth. Orbiting above the Earth in a stolen alien spacecraft. The Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show. Now, strap on your seatbelt, get ready to kneel, true believers, because here's your host, Emmy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, the greatest talk show that ever has been, is, or ever will be. My name is Emmy, as I'm sure you just heard our awesome uh, voiceover guy announce, and, and tonight is... And yeah, we're a little bit late. We're we're a little bit late, but so what? At least we're on. We're live because that's what we do here in Planet Earth. You know, we do our thing that we do. We don't just not do it because the planet is like dying of global warming and pollution and junk. I mean, who cares about that, right? I mean, seriously. Oh my God. Who cares about the Earth dying? I really. I know I don't. Like, here I am with my plastic cup that is probably never going to be recycled. Right? And with my playing cards. I don't know. I'm just picking up random things on my desk here. Playing cards. All right. So, anyway, welcome to all my little beautiful bitch hatters out there. I love you guys. All those likes, all those views. Gosh. I missed you guys last week. Where were you? Where was I? I don't know. Maybe I was out there saving the earth instead of just... Destroying it like I always do because I hate everything. I'm like, God, what are you looking to hate you too? No, no, no. You know what? Um, <laughs> um, apparently it's Earth Day. Who knew? I thought it was going to be on Monday, but apparently it's today. I personally think Earth Day should be on a Monday because that's when everybody hates Mondays anyway. So since we already automatically hate the Earth, it would just be it would just make sense that it would be on a Monday, right? Hashtag Earth Day. Is Monday. Hashtag Earth Day should always be, I don't know, something like that. Like, hashtag Earth Monday. Earth Day Monday. Monday Earth Day. Whatever. Monday Earth Day. That's the better one. Yeah. Hashtag Monday Earth Day. Make it happen. I'm telling you, right? And you might think, oh, wait a minute, Emmy. What are you talking about? Yeah, okay, fine. We hate Mondays, but what do you mean we hate the Earth? Of course we hate the Earth. Of course we hate the Earth. Look at how we treat it. Of course we hate it. Why? Think about it. Okay. Would you put Tons and tons of crud on something you love? No. Would you surround something you love with, like, junk so it never can see anything? No. Would you deny if something was, like, sick and dying in front of you and it was, like, really, really blatantly obvious that it was dying? Like, if your dog was throwing up blood in front of you, yeah, would you ignore it? No, and if you would, God, what is wrong with you? Good Lord, give the dog away. Good Lord, no, and yeah, that's what we're doing. That's what we're kind of doing to the earth. Yes, I am actually saying that. And you know what? That is not a liberal or conservative issue. It really is. You know why? Because we all live in it. We all live in the same earth. <gasps> oh my God. Oh no. Look, guys. Look, look, look. All kidding aside, okay? It really, it it doesn't matter what your political persuasion is. It doesn't matter what your ethical persuasion is. It doesn't matter what your it doesn't matter what your moral persuasion is. It doesn't matter what your spiritual persuasion is. Did I did I miss anything? How about your pony persuasion? For all my bronies out there. It doesn't matter what your pony you if you like rarity or if you like apple 
whatever her name is, Applejack, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. Or if you like Twilight business pants, I don't know. I know it's Twilight Sparkle. I'm kidding. It doesn't matter. The point is all of us have a very serious vested interest in the earth and in keeping it, like, not blown up or so hot that we can't even go outside and keep our air conditioners cranked up. Like right now I've got my fan on right next to me. I'm sure you can hear it. And the air conditioner's cranked up and it's not even summer yet, but it doesn't matter because I'm in Florida. So it doesn't matter like what time of the year it is in Florida. It's always really freaking hot. Right. <laughs> I mean, Oh my God. It's so damn hot in Florida. <laughs> oh my God. I'm dying over here. So anyway, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Okay. But unfortunately, there are people out there that do think the earth should be uh, politicized, right? I mean, who would do something like that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe politicians? Well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, unfortunately, putting regulations on businesses is seen as very, very anti business and seen as very anti-conservative. And you might be thinking, you know, Emmy, you say you're a conservative, but you don't really act like one. I actually am very conservative. I do believe that businesses should have free reign to a certain extent, but I do believe that there should also be some type of line drawn in the sand saying, okay, this here, no further, you know, the line must be drawn here, here in the further, you know. Anyway, and you might think, oh, my, you might ask me, well, what line is that? Actually, Stephen just asked me that. You know, Stephen, shut up. No, no, Stephen. Stephen, no, I am not. Go- okay, fine. Stephen wants me to let you guys know that he is a liberal. And no, I'm not letting you on because I don't want them to see you. Besides, you don't want them to see you. Shut up. Anyway, just will you go and just touch buttons like you always do? Thank you. Anyway, so uh, what was I saying? Stephen just totally messed me up. Oh, like, right. So Stephen wanted you guys to know he's a liberal, and he doesn't agree with me at all. He thinks that there should be no uh, – or, or excuse me, there should be – wait, what is it? What's the part the liberals want again? I forget, Stephen. Which is that? They want regulations. That's right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course I know what that is. He thinks there should be regulations placed on fuel-driven businesses. You know, I think there should not be too many because we do need some type of fuel until we figure out what to do with the organic stuff that we've discovered. Now, some of you might think, well, hold on a second, Emmy. We can do stuff. With, we can do something with the organic uh, type of fuels like wind farming and uh, I don't know. Algae farts, I don't know, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> no, you laugh. But there really is there really are groups of people. There are there's an organization out there that believe that we can harness the power of algae farts. I kid you not. And if you think that's funny, that's nothing. There is a group who actually believes you can harness the power of cow farts. Now, that's been going on for some time. Now, okay, look, 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 look. Here we go, look. Full disclosure, 
It really is true. Yes, you can. You actually can use algae byproduct and cow byproduct, cow gaseous discharge. There, I'm using the technical term as a way to provide energy of some sort. This is true. However, there is a caveat to this. Okay, go ahead and drink. I said caveat. I know you guys, some of you guys do this thing where if I say my words that I say all the time, you drink. You want me to say the other one? Illustrious. Okay, there you go. Again, illustrious. Caveat. How many was that? (laughs) Oh, it's three. Three likes. Okay. (laughs) They put three likes when I. (laughs) You want me to do it again? Do a like and I'll do it again. Come on. One more. Okay. Illustrious. Caveat. Caveat. Illustrious. Okay. No, that's it, guys. That's it. I don't want it. There. These people are crazy. They must be college kids. Okay. No, no more. No more. No more. No, stop it. Stop. No more. No more. Okay. So, anyway, there is a warning. Ah, so you thought I was going to say the other one. And the warning is, or the issue, rather, is taking out my pen, which is made of dead trees. Stupid tree! I can't hear stupid tree! Um, the, 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 it is that when you devote all energy consumption to these organic sources, they're limited because they're organic. And organic means living, right? So you're kind of basing everything on something you really can't exact control and you think you can but really you can't unless unless you mass produce certain machines see where I'm getting at to control said organic sources of fuel now let's let, let's let's thought box this a little bit let's say let's say we discovered we finally discovered a way to use algae farts to power our, our, our cities. Like, that's it. The age of fossil fuels is over. We found a way to power ourselves using algae farts. And, and no, when algae fart, they don't sound like that. They actually sound super duper cute. They sound like that, right? In fact, if you guys would love to, I would love to play some artists, so if you guys send me sound clips of what an algae fart would sound like, I promise you I would play it on this show. I, oh my God, please send me sound clips of algae, hashtag algae farts. I wish I could just make it pop up, but I don't know how to do that yet. Anyway, and, and besides, Stephen is lazy. He doesn't know how to do it. Okay. So if we are able to harness, let's pretend that this. Eight, 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 six of, of spades, six of spades is an algae, all right? And when the algae goes, okay, we are harnessing that, okay? And we are harnessing it, and it's going to power the cities, okay? All right. Now, if we don't do anything at all to control this, what ends up happening to the algae at some point? It dies, right? Because it's a living thing. It's it's going to die. Now, you might think, okay, you're, I mean, you're being really stupid here because we're not talking about one or two algae. We're talking about millions and billions of whatever of algae. Okay, you're right. 
However, it still doesn't make my point invalid. They will still die unless, unless you do something to keep them alive or you do something to make more of them. And that something is mechanical because how are you going to – oh, and I know somebody's saying, no, 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 Andy, they're going to reproduce naturally. Where are you going to keep them? You will still need something mechanical to regulate how much energy they produce, right, and how much energy we consume from them and how much energy we give back because, of course, we're all about recycling the same energy we take, okay, because we have to. It, it, it comes and goes the way energy works. You can't just take, take, take and not give back to, to the, at some point, right? Okay. So what ends up happening is that this source, is going to end up going away. Or or we create a copy. Right? Here's the copy. Here's the seven of clubs. I hope this is clubs. And I don't play cards. What do you want me to do? So you have this copy of the algae, okay, over here somewhere in, you know, copy land in another area. And we're doing the same thing with this. Pretty soon, my friends, you will have an abundance of copies of the original, right? And what happens whenever you get a cop whenever you get massive copies of anything, what ends up happening? Failure at some point. Or maybe not right away, obviously, but quality of the original drops. Now can it be fixed? Can we do something to fix it? Yes. Again, it's not organic. The, the, the answer to making sure that something of that nature is kept viable is not organic in nature. It will be mechanical. And then do you follow my line of thought here? It will end up becoming the very same evil we just eliminated. Because the whole problem with fossil fuels is all of these factories that we built to harness them, to cultivate, to mine them, to use the energy, and then what ends up happening with that? They end up spitting out carbon dioxide, which is causing global warming, right? Or part, you know, okay. So what is going to end up happening when we get all of these factories, because we're going to need them, all these factories to make all these things happen, it doesn't matter how small the factories are. They will still end up producing some type of byproduct or waste, rather waste product that we will not need. Now, unless we can do something with that waste product that will not hurt the earth, I don't see it happening. And quite frankly, when you're dealing with businesses I don't care what political persuasion they are. Businesses are out for themselves. They want profit. A business wants profit, period. And they are not going to see a waste product and think, oh, well, can I make money out of that? No. Well, you know what? That's going to harm the earth, so I better do something about it. They're not going to care. If that was the case, they would have done something with the fossil fuels by now. I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to tell you a little story. And actually, you know what? I'm going to go on break, and then I'll tell you a little story. How about that? Because i got to look it up. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go on break real quick. When I get back, I'm going to tell you a little story about a certain man who basically saved 
our country and possibly world from disaster. And it has to do with children, toys, and where is this stupid thing? Children, toys. Oh, crying. You know, this is what happens to me. You know, I, I, I look for it and then. Oh, there it is. Children, toys, and lead. Put your warm speed on hold, Graveyard Shift fan. Our illustrious host, Emmy. Why the hell does he always say that word illustrious? We'll be right back after this break with more shifty, yeah, like shitty awesomeness. I can't believe this guy. Who the hell does he think he is? Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. live from a war-torn battlefield from atop a 200-foot-tall, last-of-its-kind woolly mammoth driving a bunch of drunk zombies on their way to an all-you-can-eat super flesh buffet. Teaching a cat 
how to speak fluent Klingon. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. And now, just finished from sucker punching your country's ruthless dictator, because he's just that damn cool. Here's your illustrious host, Emmy. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you for that wonderful introduction, my friend. All right, so as promised, we're back. And we've been talking a little bit, well, actually, I've been talking quite a lot about Earth and, you know, how we should save it and what have you. And then I promised you I would talk to you about a certain gentleman who is responsible pretty much for saving us from a very, very powerful, very real threat that we did not know existed. Actually, I take that back. We did know it existed. But we ignored it. We just ignored it like we do so many other things, right? This man's name was Claire Patterson. He was born in 1922, and unfortunately, he passed on December 5th, 1995. Claire Patterson was a geochemist. He lived in America. He was born in Mitchellville, Iowa, graduated from Grinnell College, later received his Ph.D. from the University of Chicago, and spent his entire professional career at the California Institute of Technology. In collaboration with a man named George Tilton, Patterson developed the uranium lead dating method into lead lead dating, and by using lead isotopic data from the Canyon Diablo meteorite, he came up with the age of the Earth, right? Which is 4.55 billion years yeah, more accurate than, a lot more accurate than what existed back then, actually. Well, so how about that? This guy not only saved us from lead poisoning, pretty much, he also came up with the age of the Earth. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> when it was 1965, I'm going to take you back in time a little bit. It was 1965, and Patterson came up with this publication called Contaminated and Natural Lead Environments of Man. Actually, I'll take you back a little bit more than that. Now, remember that back in the 50s and all this stuff, lead was actually really common. It was pretty much in everything we used. It was even in toys, okay, Um, children's toys. And, you know, people thought it was just natural to find lead in these things and, and natural to find it in our bloodstream. And it, it, all these people that were dying of insanity and suicides and all these factories where lead was being used as a product to create these many things, well, that was just normal mania, normal deaths caused by just people being crazy. It wasn't until Patterson came up with this publication that he drew public attention to the problem of increased lead levels in the environment and the food chain from lead from industrial sources. Now, here's the thing. He really brought this to the forefront. And because he did this, a lot of very powerful people fought against him. So what? how did he fight against it? So Patterson 
went and fought against the lobbying power of the Ethel Corporation, against the legacy of Thomas Midley Jr., and against the lead additive industry as a whole. Now, you know, because of this, because of all this stuff, he was refused contracts with many research organizations, including, get this, the United States Public Health Service, which was supposed to be a neutral organization. In 1971, he was excluded from a National Research Council panel on atmospheric lead contamination, even though he was at that point the foremost expert on the subject. See, here's the thing. The U.S. mandated the use of unleaded gasoline to protect catalytic converters in all new cars, starting with the 1975 model year. Guys, this wasn't that long ago. Patterson's efforts pretty much fast-tracked the phase-out of lead from all standard consumer automotive gasoline in the U.S. by 1986. Lead levels within the blood of Americans are reported to have dropped up to 80% by the late 1990s. That's, that's my lifetime. That's most of your lifetime. That means most of, most of the toys I played with, probably the food I ate, had lead in it. How about you? Probably so. Now, see, here's the thing. One of his detractors, one of his argue mentors, whatever you want to call them, was Kehoe, okay? Um, sorry, I lost my place. Robert Kehoe. They referred to normal levels of lead in the blood, soil, and air, meaning, you know, values near the average. They assumed that because the levels were common, they were harmless. Now, see, normal carries the meaning natural, Okay, now Patterson argued that normal should actually be replaced by typical, simply because a certain level of lead was commonplace did not mean it was not harmful. See, he insisted that natural concentrations of lead that existed in the body were actually there contaminated by us. Here's the thing. He, so how did he test this? He tried many different ways. No matter what he did, he always ended up finding that there was some type of level of lead in all of his tests. I mean, remember, whenever you're doing any kind of testing or experimentation and you're doing it via the scientific method, you have to start with a control subject. And the control, and the control subject, the control object, whatever, your control has to be neutral. It has to be pure. It has to be whatever your outcome is. With, which is, in his case, was without lead. I mean, he needed to find a way, and, and nothing he did, nothing he did, could, he didn't know where it was coming from. He tried everything. And finally, finally, he created the world's very first ultra-clean room. And that's where you, you have these, like in, uh, in many of the microprocessing plants and, and, and health clinics, they have these clean rooms where you have to wear this you know, almost spacesuit-looking apparatus and all this stuff. Um, in these clean rooms, he measured isotopic ratios, and, of, and he found that – he measured that they were free of the contamination that really went against the findings of Kehoe and the others, okay? See, when, where Kehoe measured lead in unexposed workers, quote-unquote, in a TEL plant in Mexican farmers, Patterson – studied pre-Iron Age mummies and tuna raised from pelagic waters. Here's the thing. 
Patterson actually went to the Antarctic and took ice from the deepest recesses of where he could go, and he discovered that their levels were almost non-existent. Like, the lead was nowhere near what it is now, okay? Patterson also focused his attention to lead in food, for which similar experimental deficiencies had also kind of hid increases. And in one particular study, he showed an increase in in lead levels of a certain degree in a certain canned fish compared with fresh, while the official laboratory had reported an inc- uh, like a much different you know, number. Um, he compared the lead, barium, and calcium levels in 1,600-year-old Peruvian skeletons, showed a 700 to 1,200-fold increase in lead levels in modern human bones with no comparable changes in the barium and calcium levels. Well, eventually in 1978, he was appointed to an NRC panel that acknowledged many of the increases and the need for reductions, but argued the need for more research. His opinions were expressed in a 78-page minority report, which argued that control measures should start immediately, including gas, food containers, paint, paint, glazes, and water distribution systems. So, and this man was so influential that the Geochemical Society made an award in his honor. Since 1988, the Claire C. Patterson Award has been awarded in this man's honor. So you might say, so what, Emmy? How does that affect me? Well, quite frankly, it affects you a lot because how do you eat? How many things do you eat are canned? Do you eat beans? Do you eat, you know, peas, green beans, uh, I don't know, soup? Are these things in cans, or do you just buy them by bag? Well, hate to tell you guys, but you should thank Claire Patterson, because before him, all of those things had very high levels of lead in them, and people were dying because of it. Children were dying for lead poisoning. In fact, children are still to this day dying from lead poisoning. Isn't there? Aren't there commercials that you see on TV that? Say, if your child is dying from lead poisoning, call us. Well, that's because of how long this toxic material has been in our society. And listen, this isn't just an American thing. Don't think I'm knocking us as a country. This has been going on from centuries and centuries. The Romans, the Romans used it in their plumbing. The word plumbum comes from the word lead. What do you think they lined their their aqueducts with? Lead. I mean, it's it's common knowledge. It's something that uh, at the time was common knowledge. So my point in in bringing this up is right now it's it's of course it, it's 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 like a dumb moment that of course lead is bad for you. You ask anybody in the street, hey, would you would you drink this cup of lead? I'm pretty sure they'd say no. And uh, hey, we're going to go right here. Bam. Would you eat this pencil? Please say no. Unless you're, I know you college students would eat it because you guys are high. You know what? Just for that illustrious caveat there. Um, I know that you guys would not really eat this lead from this pencil. But 
there was a time that people didn't think anything, didn't even think about it. They didn't even consider it that big of a deal. Now, I actually do not think that there is actual real lead in pencil, or if there is, it's a very, it's such a minute amount, you know, that it might, you know, not matter. Um, of course, Claire Patterson would disagree. He would think that any level of lead is toxic. So more than likely, it's not really lead any longer. But I'm just using it as an example because I know that the, historically it has been. So this has direct impact on how we treat our planet. Right now, the most divisive environmental topic is global warming. There are some people who say it exists and that we are causing it. There are some people who say it doesn't exist at all, and it's just a a fakery produced by liberals and hippies or whatever. And there's a group that say it does exist, but people are not doing anything about it, and it's very natural. You know what? I'm not going to take it. Uh, personally, what do you want to know what I think personally? I think we do cause a lot of it. And am I a scientist? No. But I will tell you this. If you look at historical data in the sheets of ice, in wait a minute before you, before you start insulting, that cannot be ignored and that cannot be argued against you go down there with a team you want to prove them wrong you want to prove then go get get funding together if you can get funding for other things you can get funding for this if it matters that much to you to prove them wrong go and measure the same ice that they're measuring go to antarctica go to one of these places that they're getting the ice from measure it to find the levels that they're finding in compare it to today. Use the data to compare it. You will discover, I think, you'll find it's pretty much what is being said. Here's, here's the thing. The problem is that we are being told that doing all these regulations is wrong and it messes us up economically and it's wrong to make businesses do this. And yes, I do agree to some extent. I don't like the government getting their hands involved in businesses. I really don't. I think they have no business getting into business, but I do think that businesses should have some type of control over the waste products that they produce, especially if it is very obviously harming the planet that we live in. I mean, that, that, that's just a given, okay? And I don't want to keep rehashing it over and over again. But there you go. That's what I feel about it. Um, so I pretty much spent the entire show talking about this. I mean, we've only got like a few minutes left. So I may as well, you know, talk about how today, Earth Day, um, you had a massive march in Washington. Let's see if I can get to it. There it is. Thousands of demonstrators rallied in New York City and uh, also in Washington, D.C. for Earth Day. There were 600 simultaneous marches all over the world. And it was to, um, you know, obviously give alertness to the earth. Um, 
The New York March opened with a rally followed by a parade to Times Square. Protesters held signs and phrases, you know, extolling science as virtues, calling for politicians to stop denying scientific reality in the service of ideological or political expediency. Um, some signs made very, very obvious reference to President Trump and his aversion to empirical reality, such as the one that read, science demands proof, not alternative facts. Others were more assertively political, including a placard that baldly threatened electoral consequences if Congress does enact the massive cuts to spending on scientific research proposed in Trump's sub-budget. So, you know, this national march was co-sponsored by a pretty large amount of professional science organizations, such as the American Association for the Advancement of Science and Public Health and Environmental Advocacy Groups. The New York March was co-sponsored by similar groups, including the Nature Conservancy and the New York Academy of Sciences. So there you go. That was today. And, you know, what more do you need from that? I mean, you know, this is the way I see it. If we keep arguing amongst ourselves what is right and what is wrong, and if we keep caring more about how much money is being put in, instead of looking at, you know what, maybe this is right. Maybe it's okay for us to be wrong. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe there's a way we can come together and come to some sort of, I don't know, consensus that both of us will be okay with. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's what's needed. I'm not so sure. But there you have it. All right. So how about enough about environmental and earth stuff, right? How about those flight attendants, huh? How about that? Well, apparently an American Airlines flight attendant was put on leave after a clash with passengers were captured on video. I tell you, well, this time it's not United, it's American. A video was posted to Facebook on Friday where a passenger aboard American Airlines flight 591 showed an intense confrontation between between a flight attendant and at least two passengers at the front of the aircraft while it was still on the tarmac. The heated moment began when a flight attendant took away a stroller from a female passenger. Oh, that's a big no-no. Which reported that uh, this one press agent reported that the woman was from Argentina traveling with her two children. The nearly three-minute video starts with the woman crying and asking the flight attendant to give her back the stroller. The incident appears to escalate when a male passenger comes to the woman's defense saying to the flight attendant, hey, bud, hey, you do that to me, I'll knock you flat. Well, the flight attendant, who is visibly angry, points his finger at the passenger and says, hey, you stay out of this. A pilot appears to attempt to calm down the flight attendant. You know, during the entire video, the female passenger continues to be heard crying. American Airlines responded publicly to the incident shortly after the video was circulated online, announcing in a statement that the flight attendant had been put on leave while the incident was investigated and that the woman and her family were upgraded to first class for the remainder of their trip. Not so sure I would want that, actually. Basically, so that you know, the airline rules for passengers traveling with children say strollers should be checked at the gate. So, there you go. Oh, I tell you, this is just getting better and better, isn't it? So I know this is the tourist season. How many of you are going to the theme parks down here in Florida? Well, there was a um, preview of Star Wars Land that unfortunately I didn't get to see, but um, some people that were, some of the press that was in Star Wars Celebration got to see it. And 
The members of the Star Wars Land Design Team promise that fans will be able to explore certain areas from the series universe that they always envisioned, like inside the Millennium Falcon, but they'll also have something completely brand new in store. And basically that something brand new is, quote, a mysterious destination somewhere on the Outer Rim lying on the edge of the unknown regions. The remote village was once a busy crossroads along the old sub-lightspeed trade routes, but the prominence of the outpost has been bypassed with the rise of hyperspace travel. Now, home to those who prefer less attention, it's become a thriving port for smugglers. I know, I know, rogue traders and adventurers traveling between the frontier and uncharted space. It's also a convenient safe haven for others intent on avoiding the expanding reach of the First Order. Well, Disney also shared brand new pics at everything from concept art for this new village setting to a look at the bustling construction site for the park, which is set to open in 2019, only two years. Between the, all the details shared and the new visuals, I mean, this is, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. Anyway, you can look it up online. All you have to do is look up Star Wars Land and find out more about it. And what else is coming around? Well... I know there's Avatar Land. If I can find it, where did you go? Avatar Land. There you go. First of all, the Avatar sequels have gotten official release dates on 20th Century Fox's schedule. Avatar 2 is now finally scheduled for release on December 18, 2020. Avatar 3 will follow almost exactly one year later, releasing December 17, 2021. Then there will be a three-year hiatus leading up to the release of Avatar 4, December 20, 2024, and, and Avatar 5, December 19th, 2025. The dates were announced on Saturday morning via a Facebook post that included a photo of James Cameron with the Avatar crew in front of the recently revealed new franchise logo. The post revealed that the four sequels will now enter concurrent production. So that's interesting. And, you know, of, of course, you know that um, Disney is also, uh, along with, uh, excuse me, Star Wars Land, they're uh, also working on the world of Avatar. And um, the opening date, you know, for that is May 27th. Here we go. Where is it? Where'd it go? 2017. So that's this year, guys. Um, the new land will transport guests to the visually stunning world of Pandora. Here, guests will wonder at floating mountains and bioluminescent plants and can join the Navi on two excursions that take adventure to the next level. First, you have the family-friendly Navi river journey that will send guests through a bioluminescent rainforest. This, their journey will end in an unforgettable encounter with a Navi shaman, a figure who has a deep connection to the life force of Pandora. Second, Avatar Flight of Passage will offer guests the jaw-dropping experience of exploring the world of Pandora atop a banshee. Woohoo! Guests will also be able to dine at Satuli Canteen, grab a drink at Pangu Pangu, or shop for Navi cultural items, toys, science kits, and more at Wind Traders. Now, you know, I, I, I'm curious about this. I'm curious about this. Are they going to have, like, Navi characters sell stuff? Because you know what I would think? Wouldn't that kind of make you... Wouldn't that be against their whole? Because wouldn't that be like Native got people dressed up as Native Americans selling knickknacks at like Frontierland? Just saying, I don't know. Well, there you have it, guys. That is it for tonight on the Graveyard Shift. And uh, by the way, they're showing a a little preview of uh, Ducktales. Let's see if I can. 
I don't know if you guys will be able to hear this, but I'm going to try anyway. Let me see here. I hope you guys can hear this. It's audio. Hopefully, I really hope you can hear this. If not, then you're hearing nothing right now. Except my voice. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this series, to the DuckTales, the new DuckTales series. This looks this looks great, guys. I'm really looking forward to this. I love how they made it look like the old comics. DuckTales, woo! This really does look great. I could do without the, I don't know, the nephews look like they've been chipmunked, like their voices have been chipmunked. There you have it. So I don't know if if you uh, can hear that great. If not, look it up on YouTube, DuckTales First Look. It looks great. Um, you know, uh, we'll see. I, I think Alan Tudyk plays Scrooge McDuck, which, if I'm right, is the same guy that does Hey Hey, the chicken's voice in Moana and a billion other the guy's amazing. He's like the new Mel. He really is, in my opinion, the new Mel Blank. Look him up. Alan Tudyk. Trust me on this one. It looks amazing. Um, that's pretty much all the time we have right now on the Graveyard Shift, guys. Stay tuned next Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. Uh, we'll be here. And by the way, be on the lookout. We are doing some kind of special stuff with Dr. Paul Bearer once again. So uh, be on the lookout for a very special episode featuring the doctor. And um, we'd also like to give a big shout out to our friends at Kymatic on Location, which is a great web series. You can find them on Facebook. Just look up Kymatic. And uh, boy, I really hope I said that name right now that I've been like spouting it. Let me make sure. Chuck Terzian's the host of it. I know that much. Oh my God. Where is it? Kymatic. I hope I'm saying that right. Oh my gosh. Where are you? You're here somewhere. Uh-oh. Something happened. There we go. I'm, yep, I was right. Kymatic on location. So all you have to do is look though, just, you know, K-Y-M-A-T-I-C on Facebook, and they give all these cool on location, you know, uh, videos of different things, either venues or artists or uh, they actually did, they, did, they featured a, a guy doing uh, his show straight from his house, similar to someone we know. And um, there you have it. So one, one day we'll, we'll do something with them. Maybe they'll feature me. Maybe I'll feature them. Who knows? Until then, guys, this is Emmy from the Graveyard Shift. I will see you next Saturday, same time, 8.30 p.m. Bid Chat, free app on most app stores. You can go to bidchat.com slash graveyard shift or blogtalkradio.com slash the graveyard shift. Until then, this is Emmy, guys. I'm punching out. Peace. You feel that, universe? 
that satisfied feeling only comes from having finished a super epic, awesome episode of the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Hosted by your illustrious host, Emmy. Make sure to follow on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift and our Twitter feed. Hashtag Emmy Shift Show. To stay in the loop for future episodes. Until next time, Shifties, we're punching out. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.